So hi and welcome to Dietless Living 360 Degrees. This podcast is about how to overcome obstacles and challenges in life, how we can, you know, pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off and build strength from the obstacles and challenges that we have as we deal with them. Because there's more to losing weight and gaining health than just what we eat and how we exercise. And I'm your host, Katie Gordon. I'm the founder of Dietless Living and Personal Health Leadership Programs, and I've been researching why we get stuck in these yo-yo weight loss, weight gain cycles for over 35 years. And today we're talking to the wonderful James Knight. James is a former Royal Marines Commando officer with over 16 years of leadership experience. So welcome to the show, James. I'm so excited that you've joined us here today. Thank you, Katie. Morning to you. Thank you. It's very early here and very late over there. (laughs) Um, Now, James, I know you through business networking and you're in finance, which is how I know you. Uh, And I invited you on the show because you recently did an Ironman event in Italy, didn't you? Yeah, that's right. About uh, well, one month ago, I think it was. And, you know, when you did that, I was so impressed with that because I I really do love um, the mindset that allows us to actually get through these ultra marathon events and um, ultra athletic events. And so I actually invited you on the show for that. But having since invited you on the show and read your bio, I, you know, I had a little idea that you had a background in the armed services, the armed forces, but I had no idea that you were a Royal Marines commando officer. So could you just tell me a little bit about that before we launch off into the show? Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I was actually in, um, I was actually in Australia when I decided to join. So um Australia wouldn't have me as a resident because I was offering no valuable services to your country so I had to uh, I had to go home and get a job and um, I just met a guy who just spoke about the Marines he didn't come out of the Marines so I, I applied for a load of books and stuff like that and read about it and then went home to basically get fit and get myself in order to to join up and then I, I don't know what my intention was with joining but I stuck around in it for just over 16 years and I loved every single minute of it. Wow. So you, you did do it over, like you were in the Australian Marines? No, no, no. just um, I happened to be uh, travelling over there at the time and um, so I did all my kind of recruitment while I was in Sydney at the time, just online yeah. uh, in internet cafes and stuff like that to to get all the application done and then I had to uh, quickly a quick trip up your east coast Flew out of Cairns, uh, and that was my kind of final swan song, if you like, out of Australia after having been there for a year and a half, and I really didn't want to leave, but I had to get serious about life at some point and get a real job, and then so I flew home from Cairns, and um, yeah, I basically took about six months to get myself in shape in order to in order to join the Marines. And. You you were in combat because when I when I you know was I know you through networking you're in finance and when I had you in the you know in the armed services it was like oh you were probably an accountant in the armed service you know like I I was matching trying in my mind to match the two up but it's absolutely not the case is it 
No, no, but two two very different careers. Um, still trying to find what the transferable skills are from one to the other. So, no, my my background in the Marines was operations, um, you know, sort of infantry type stuff, effectively. So, no, as far detached from any kind of financial services as you could possibly be. And because we we talk about overcoming obstacles on this show, and I am going to come back to your um, Iron Man that you did recently, but this really fascinates me because the conditions that you and the situations that you are in in the Marines, like there cannot be any worse places, like more opportunity for having to overcome obstacles and. You, you're of a special mindset to be able to do that. So is there, like, what is it that provides somebody, if you know the answer, you may not, because we, we how do we, how, I could never be in that situation. I don't think I would have the fortitude of, to be in combat. What, what is it that gives you the drive to, keep, like, to get through that instead of just, you know, throw your head under the covers kind of a thing? I, I always think it's harder actually in the civilian world than it is in the military world in the situations I've experienced today. In the in the military world, I always felt like a lot of these things like resilience and the, the choice to not do something you don't want to do was was kind of taken away from me in many ways. So I, I felt like it was a non-negotiable uh, the situation I was in. So you had to just get on with it. Um, and then there's also a couple of things that when you're in the military that... I think don't don't always exist in in other areas that I work in now, which is uh, you're responsible for a team, every one of you, regardless of what your position is. So there's a there's a there's a sense of being in there that your your purpose is to look after everyone else other than yourself. So you you tend to sort of speak to a higher purpose while you're there, which which I think kind of makes it quite easy then to forget about what's going on around you because you're working towards the team. Um, and I felt like I felt like my resilience wasn't really tested in the military because I didn't feel like I had the option to negotiate with anyone at any point, whether I felt good or bad about something. Yeah. Whereas now within the civilian world, I feel like my resilience is tested daily with lots more challenges that are both within my control and out of my control. Um, and I have to find sort of ways to deal with that. Whereas there's a lot of things that are taken away from you in the military. So you, I typically wouldn't worry about finance, for example, because yeah. every single month I got paid, no matter how good or bad a Marine I was, I got paid. And typically you get a pay rise every year. So that your pay is kind of just sort of taking care of you. So is your food and accommodation. Yeah. Um, and so there's a couple of things then when you you look at these kind of comforts, they, they kind of just exist in perpetuity in the military. Um, and now I have to sort of work very hard on a daily basis just to you know, ensure that certain things are in place for my family or, or just things I just took for granted, even little things like your gym membership in the civilian world yeah. costs money. But in the military, there's just a gym around every corner waiting for you if you want it. So I feel like my resilience is tested much more now on a daily basis. And I felt, although I'm really pleased with my decision to leave the Marines and transition into a new career, um, I find it much more stressful in many ways now um than I ever did and actually I found all the situations that I was in a real privilege to be in teams where they would lay down their life for you yeah um, and now I feel like the things I look for are those that kind of trust and responsibility that I had before 
You hit so many great points there. If you don't mind, I'd like to back up and cover a couple of those because you're so right that like when you're in a team and you're in the military, it is about each other. And when we're out on our, like in the civilian world, we get so focused in on ourselves because that's how our brain works when we have a problem and we don't have that everybody feels like they're in it on their own don't they like everyone just doesn't have that sense of maybe they're doing it for their family and that helps pull them through but they don't feel like they have other people watching out for them they may be watching for other people but they're not in that close-knit tight team where everybody's caring about everybody and I think that's a really key point isn't it yeah and it, it really is a people first organization you know it's um which is an, a really nice place to be and I explained it uh you know when when I left I sort of thinking it's it's been a real pleasure to be able to walk into a room and knowing you'll you'll lay down your life for anyone in there um and yeah. now I'm trying to spend my days searching for those people who I've drawn that kind of closeness with and trust and level of responsibility for so I, yes. you kind of I feel like I've traded up certain things whereas I lose I, I lose that kind of automatic trust that I have in a room with people. Now I spend my days searching for those people I want to really work with and build relationships with. Um, and then there's other things, obviously, I've, I've had to learn to do along the way. But I, I really miss that. Just I like to trust people first and then it's there for you to lose it kind of thing. And I, and I miss yes. that a lot. And I, yeah, and I, I took that for granted while I was in the Marines, definitely. And, you know, you really have hit. Like that is such one of the key points and you're the first one that's highlighted it and helped me to articulate it because that really is it. I, I'm the same, right? Go to networking events, go to social events, go anywhere, always on the lookout for people that you can call part of your teams, people that you can sort of really trust to tell things to, that they will have a solution-oriented mind to come back with rather than, you know, something that compounds your problem. And mm. it is. It's just the the key thing that people find is their actual biggest obstacle in overcoming life's obstacles is who to trust and who they can count on as their team to mm. rely on. So like you said, you're, you're the same. You're searching for people as well. We all are in the civilian world. Um, I like that, the civilian world. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, I compartmentalise things, obviously. Yeah. Well, there is two different worlds for you, right? So it makes sense that it, it's one and the other. So, And you now, you do teach leadership as well. And so when in your leadership training, do you have any um, key points, not to take away from what you normally would be doing, but do you have any key points on, on how to do that? Because it is the main thing we need to do is build teams around us. Mm. Yeah, it's funny because you, you speak to a lot of uh, organisations and people now, like if we put our people first, we will be the best organisation we can possibly be. Um, and that's this kind of well-said cliche, but then you really see it in practice. So it's trying yeah. to get people to talk about, so I'll talk about it through experience and what I've done in the past, perhaps. And then it's really over to the audience to kind of pick out the hooks that they find 
either interesting or relevant to them uh, and then for them to take away the learnings and so what you're trying to just build this picture of an organization that builds its culture from the bottom up that gives a high degree of responsibility to to junior people that entrusts it people but it sees its leaders really listening to its employees uh and having this kind of sort of 360 environment yeah. um i'm a real strong believer in disaggregated responsibility at the lowest levels so that you know if you if you look at like uh any kind of recruiting process into an industry um it's quite lengthy and it's it's somewhat arduous and it will cause a bit of anxiety for that person going through it so they'll go through a series of interviews they'll prepare for those interviews there might be a you know a panel discussion exams whatever yeah. it may be and then typically what happens is if you're the most if, if you're quite junior and you you pass this kind of heavy screening process you then go into that organization uh, and i think organizations are guilty then of not employing that individual to their fullest potential they then give them sort of quite menial jobs and certainly i saw it in the marines a little bit where you you go through say six months of training to get in the marines and the first thing you do is ask this very junior marine to say stand guard or something like that and do something very sort of trivial and easy whereas actually what you've got is this pool of really talented people and they're all itching to show you what they can do uh, and it's just basically an untapped resource and i think i've seen it both ways where you're just not getting the value out of your people or you're under using them after what is quite a heavy screening process and recruiting process on the way in as well I see that too. Um, I actually, uh, I do have um, work background and I remember seeing people come through, like you say, a big arduous screening process to get to the position, but then they're, they're just sitting there at their desk all day. They're not really, they're really, I don't know. I often have wondered, which again, I suppose is why I started my business, is I want to do something that was meaningful to me and had provided you had more me with... capacity to, to give something, didn't you? So... Yeah, it's your art. You know, it's the same, like this for me is the same as if I was an artist doing a, or sculpting or something, you know, this is how I express myself. And yet in the day-to-day -day employment, we don't get that opportunity. You're right, there's so many people sitting there, nuggets of gold for want of a better term, with all these amazing skills and abilities that are completely unrecognized and and therefore untapped because they're just there for four or five of their skills you know maybe they can do really good spreadsheets or you know not to downplay it no no, no it's exactly that and like you've gone off and set up your business but that is you know if, if someone spent the time talking to you and understanding it they'd know that that's inside you and that's what you're passionate about and you want to then go off and, and do that and it's how how our leaders can support us on that journey but it, it yeah. makes you wonder doesn't it like how many people are just sat there not speaking up about the skills they have or what they can offer an organization because they're not in the right culture or whatever it may be yes and and um how how those skills can be used in a, in an organization and they can utilize them so to come back though to the obstacles and how people you, in your leadership training you do assist with with that don't you because obviously with your background in the military do the companies that you work with are they interested in in that aspect how to help because everybody see the thing to me about work is I think of us all as um, micro environments right we're just the same as trees and plants in in a fashion that we, we are in these home environments where there's stuff going on. 
financial problems, relationship problems, health problems, whatever. There's stuff going on, running homes, all of that. And then we come to work, which is another micro environment where everybody's bringing in their problems with them because we can't help that. We just are this person who's doing this life and then we've got to come together. And how do do they facilitate that? Because I think that's where a lot of the rub is at work, you know, with work culture is people don't have an understanding that we're all, you know, everyone comes in, like I said before, we're all very focused in on our own self. And so we come into work with that um, mindset of everything that's going on at home. And then we rub up against somebody else at work who's got that kind of a thing happening. And, you know, you've got rough edges against rough edges and causes conflict and that kind of thing. So is there, uh, in the leadership space, is there that desire or are people, uh, companies focused in on helping? I know they always have well-being and, you know, you can go talk to somebody, but how to actually help people navigate themselves with others and understand? It's, yeah, it's a really, really good question. I think companies, for the most part, skirt around it a little bit. So they're looking for other leadership answers that that speak to them as an organisation to say, look what we're doing for our employees, or look what we're we're changing within the culture. But actually, it's it's somewhat simpler than that. And the, the what you described, I've heard as termed before, is bringing the best version of yourself to work, which yes. is fine. So you then could talk about well, what happens before eight thirty in the morning before you clock in at the work, you know. And so what happens in that build up there when you when you get out of bed to having your breakfast, shower, change, drive to work, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then there's all these kind of success momentum builders, whether it's making your bed, having a healthy cereal, exercising, whatever. And that, that, that's all fine, really. Um, and then you turn up at 830 and it's kind of work face on and you have the old classic water cooler chat. Good morning. How are you? Yeah, I'm fine. Yeah, thanks. Move on. Um but what I think leaders are guilty of is not listening. So therefore, it's not a case of good morning, how are you? Did you bring your best version of yourself to work today? It's how do I really know what goes on in your personal life? Or how do I really understand what makes you tick so that I know how to engage with you and how I know to talk to you and how I can understand if your resilience is being tested? Because if that person at home before they put on their work face has financial issues, relationship issues, health issues, anything like that, well, that's on their mind. But around the water cooler, that's not really going to get discussed. And so you really have to sort of dig deeper into your employees. And you do that really by listening to what they have to say, because people have a lot to say. Yes. Um, but they're never put in the right position to say it, um, because it's always like, hey, I've had this great idea. What do you think? And then, of course, the the implied task is, you know, the leader's spoken kind of thing. So yeah. there's a there's an unusual culture, I think, of way leaders approach or where I've seen organisations approach their leadership to their employees. But actually, it's a really simple um, sort of strategy, which is listen more to your employees and understand them more. Because in the past, what I've seen is with resilience, obviously, we've all got our, our kind of breaking strains at some point. At some point, we've all got a point where we'll snap, I suppose. Yeah. But actually, what it comes back down to is people's resilience is tested when the foundations aren't there. So if there is problems with health, uh, finances, relationships, whatever stuff, any kind of stuff that's going on in the background that we typically don't see and don't bring to work, 
that's when resilience is tested. So it's when you're asking someone to fill the spreadsheet up, get a piece of working on time, and eventually it's like enough. It's not the workload that is enough. It's if you have to come back to the foundations. Yeah. And you only understand the foundations when you really listen to your employees and find out what it is they have to say and what's going on and what makes them tick as well. Um, yeah. And I've seen, I think the, the long-winded answer to your question is really, I, I think some people have asked the sort of questions, but they're more focused on what happens at 8.30 onwards, if I'm kind of using our, yeah. you know, what what is work sort of thing. And so it's kind of like at 8.30, how do we be the best team we're ever going to be? And they're, they're more focused on that bit and less about the sort of employees on the outside and what happens beneath the skin kind of thing. Yes, and that's the thing that I've come to realise about uh, having had my own weight problem for 25 years, yo-yo dieting, um, you know, I could lose the weight but then it would come back and then understanding eventually um, after a very arduous quarter of a century that the times the weight came back was because of that conflict between the pressures of work and the pressures of home, whatever's happening there. But it was actually I didn't have an infrastructure for myself that managed all of this stuff outside of, you know, before the 8.30 bit. And I didn't work for companies that helped me with the 8.30 bit and it was a clash of the two. You end up with too much pressure from here and too much pressure from here and no infrastructure, personal infrastructure for how to deal with all of that. You know, like in a city, if we don't have garbage collection, if we don't have, you know, sewage to take rubbish away, if we don't have water supply and food coming into the shops and stuff, we don't have an infrastructure and for us personally, our infrastructure has to come in where, like you said yourself, where, you know, you get up, you do your workout, you make your bed, you've got a certain set of rules that create some structure there, even though there's other stuff happening. But it's also the emotional infrastructure. How do you handle your own emotional self? How, what are you doing with it? How are you working with it? You know. And all of that, if they can bring some of that through into the workplace, then people people get to take that leadership skill home with themselves because it is about how they lead themselves so then they can lead the others. Coming back now to the podcast and what we're meant to be talking about, because I do go off on my own little waffles, is your... Um, this all leads back to, though, how you do an Ironman event. Like, it's the same kind of a thing, isn't it? Because you've got to manage yourself through that. How many hours does it take to do an Ironman? Well, it should be a lot quicker than what I did it in, but, yeah, I think about 13 hours. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Well, which um, is worse, right, I think, if, you, if you're if the longer yeah. you do it, right, because you I always, manage I always say that. I always say that, yeah. <laughs> Because you're going to manage to stay it, for yeah. 13 hours rather than whatever maybe the person who d finishes, they probably only do five hours or something, do they? Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but it's all the same thing, but it's, it comes back to a, a micro moment, even though 13 hours isn't that micro, but it, compared to life it is, you know, it's a drop in the ocean. So how do you manage your own personal self and your mindset to go through an Ironman? Um, well, I think it, it the lead up to it was quite long. So we trained 
pretty diligently, I'd say. So probably if we had a program, I reckon we hit about 80% of it, which is quite good when you think about how busy everyone is and all that kind of stuff. And you throw kids and full-time jobs in, you know, the equation as well. So we were squeezing in a chunk of training, uh, trying to eat reasonably well. Um, and so then when you get to that kind of moment, you're apprehensive and nervous about the race. But really, when you look back, you think, oh, man, I've done done an awful lot over the last six months in order to get to just just to get to the start line here so the preparation was was really key for us um yes. so we put a lot of effort into our if you like infrastructure beforehand but the bit um i think the bit that mentally threw me the most was as I, as I was going through it, I was happy that I would just think about the swim first, then I'd think about the bike, and then I'd think about the run and all the rest of it. So I'd break it down in chunks, and a friend of ours has said, yeah, just take it in these sort of little bite-sized chunks, which is good advice. And then just towards the end of the bike, I couldn't get out of my head. It, I kept saying, oh, you've got to run a marathon now. You've got to run a marathon now. And I nearly got to the point where I was just like going, oh, I'm just going to chuck it in, you know, sort of thing, because I was aching a bit on the bike. Yeah, and I've had yep. I'd had enough of the bike ride, and I was like, "Well, if you're hurting now, how are you going to do? How are you going to do the marathon bit?" So I started to then, and I had to sort of quickly shake those thoughts because it wasn't working out well for me. I wasn't, I was sort of psyching myself out, if you like. Um, yes, so, you yeah, were already. Be, I've heard it said as you were already ringing the bell, ready to quit. Yeah, already working your way up. I think I got that term from uh, reading a book by David Goggins. He's a Navy SEAL, and they go through Hell Week and. He said they ring the bell when they quit. Um, he said, but quitting doesn't happen in that moment. It happens hours or days before once that chatter starts. Interesting. I like that. Yeah. So that's that's a really good, I've heard that expression before. I like it. It's a really good yeah. one. So how did you go? You talked yourself through staying on the yeah. bike, doing the race, just chunking it down into moment by moment. Yeah, that's. That's really what I do just generally with things. If, if stuff's getting on top of me, I just go back to my kind of smallest little thing I can chunk yes. it down to and sort of pick away at something, um, you know, just so I can get on with it. So I thought, right, and the, the run just happened to be four loops of this part of Italy we're in. Uh, and so I thought, right, well, let's just let's just get the first loop out of the way with, and then you can have a chat with yourself, have a drink, have a bite to eat, you know. Uh, yeah. And then just keep picking at it that way. So, um, but it was, yeah, it was good. But I think our preparation really helped us. And that's the whole metaphor of life, isn't it? That's really the the way, to, like that's a micro condensed compact version of how to deal with life. It's all about preparation. And preparation is all the good things that you do for yourself in life, whether it's learning how to, teach yourself leadership skills or teach you, you know, going through different jobs like the military where you learn certain skills. Um, it's going off and doing different courses. It's how it, that is all preparation for life. So when the big stuff comes or you've got multiple things that you've got to juggle, such as an Ironman, and we have things to go through that you'd go, okay, I know I, got the skills I can look back and go I practice for this I know what's coming up but I'm just going to focus on this bit here right now because that is when we all I can say for myself all the times that I did put on wallet weight was when I didn't have that 
kind of mindset and it was always looking ahead at everything going, ah, it's too big, let's eat kind yeah. of thing, you know, giving up but yeah. not being able to give up because you've still got to go through and do the stuff. Yeah, and I think, yeah, quite right. And I think it's important to look back at where you've come from as well because that's a really good motivator. And um, a good friend told me, uh, well, it was the guy whose wife actually the guy I did it with his wife, she said to me, he said, when, because I've got two daughters and she said, one of the things you're supposed to do with daughters is remind them of where they've come from and what they've achieved already. I don't know what, what, what context is and everything, but, and, um, and so my, with my daughter, I was reminding her about what she's achieved with her running. So she goes on these little park runs at the weekend and showing her like perhaps her times had approved and just saying, look, look what you did the first time you did it. And now look what you've done. And she's like, oh yeah, that, that makes a big difference. And, we look back over our training when the first time we did our our first river swim and we made it about 250 meters before we were completely out of breath and we had to turn around and go back to shore kind of thing yeah and um and then by the end of it we were swimming four kilometers quite comfortably you know and so you, you remind yourself where you've come from and what you've achieved that way I think was was a really good thing and I, I like that now with with my girls as well I can sort of show them what they're they've achieved so far and that really reinforces their confidence in what they're doing because like you say if we said right tomorrow you and I are going to do an Ironman we'd be like whoa no way you know how am I <laughs> going to have time to mentally process this or whatever it may be yeah uh, and the same for work as well if I've got exams coming up I'm like okay this is a big book I've got to read oh I'm not in the mood for this and the exam's a long one you know so just start with chapter one be all right you know just pick yeah. at it figure it out and uh, one thing I used to do was I used to struggle with this test in the Marines and um, uh, in the end uh, before I before I did it I used to say to myself well if other humans have done this well then surely I should be able to do it so yes. I picked it apart like that to sort of normalize the whole process um, and then actually on the day it was, it was a rope climb and I could never get all the way to the top I was hopeless at it and uh, on the day the instructor said to me James just climb halfway it's fine just climb halfway and then come back down and we'll we'll carry on with some other training uh and he said just go halfway and then in the end i just closed my eyes and then climbed all the way to the top but i think it was because he just said look just just pick at what you can do and that kind of completely changed my outlook of climbing this rope that i was hopeless at so um yeah, yeah. and I, I now sort of take that forward where you just gotta just look at what you've achieved and then just think well okay how am i going to take on this kind of mammoth task and you think we'll just start with the very smallest thing as well and a friend as what he said another analogy for running was he said look if you want to get if you want to run a marathon faster just go back to 100 meters and run that as fast as you can and do that lots of times and then build up from there and it, you know it's the same with most things isn't it you go back and sort of pick it apart and it becomes sort of reasonably manageable isn't it so much gold in there, James, so much <laughs> gold in there, right? Because that's the key. You just gave everybody the secret to life, right? Because we <laughs> don't have often, like you said, if I said to you today, you've got to run a marathon, you go, I haven't got time to mentally process that and we freak out. And that's actually what happens in life. We often can deal with the buildup of pressures and challenges that adjust our day-to-day -day life, running busy families and homes, busy work, deadlines everywhere. And we're all running, we feel like we're running at capacity and we have a routine for doing that. We've, we've put in our little bits where we have a rest here on the couch or whatever, and it, but it's when someone comes in with something, whether it's life or, or somebody, something happens and you go, I have not got the mental capacity 
to work out how to fit that in. And that's where the the collapse often happens. But you gave away all the gold bits. Like, you know, it's remembering what you do. You've done it before. Other people have overcome it. So I can, you know, like it's looking for examples. It's breaking it down and just going, all right, I'll just do this bit. I, I can't think how to do the rest. I'll just do this bit. But once you've done that bit, you're already kind of thinking ahead about what the the bit after it might be you know you kind of work it out as you go just chunk it down but and the other bit was you know just I'll just do what I can I'll just climb the rope halfway but you know and that takes the pressure off us because we feel so much pressure to just keep all the plates spinning but we Mm. and that's where we kind of go I can't keep them all spinning I'm not going to spin any of them I, I think I'll give in so are you able to, so I, I find that exercise helps me sort of relax for a day in the office. I kind of like that endorphin, but you find that there's, if there's other areas like your diet and stuff where that crosses over. So if you're having a tough day in the office where you go and eat something healthy, does then that have a momentum of itself that then breeds a more sort of positive experience for the afternoon or something like that? Do you have any tips for how you kind of blend some of your infrastructure into your working day to improve it? Well, it's a little bit like what we've already said. It's it's And it's not food. I don't go to food for anything. Like food is not, unless you're literally hungry or I'm literally hungry, food is not the, the thing. But my brain still says... You're under load. This isn't this is too much. You're you you're crumbling under the pressure. Go eat. And I have my job, my infrastructure is to go, Dink, I just heard what you told me to do. And I'm often on the cow path already to the kitchen. And my job is to catch me. And go the food. I have to have a short conversation with myself about well, is the food gonna help? Are you hungry? What are you going to eat? How's it going to make you feel? Is that going to give you the energy? Or are you going to feel lethargic? Like what's going to be the consequence looking ahead? Okay, so what's really happening though is I'm under pressure. I'm tired. Maybe I haven't slept or there's something, but there's pressure and there's tension in the body and I either need to have a nap or I need to go outside and have a change of environment or I need to just sit down and close my eyes and just stop the overwhelm of my brain. Um, and that that's the infrastructure. That's part of the infrastructure. It's never, it's always to move away from the food. Having said that, I like to tell a story of when I did house sitting and I looked after um, some Springer Spaniels and one was a really naughty one, um, Poppy. And if I were, she she was just jumping on everything, right? And this is our brain that happens. So Poppy would jump on everything. She's a little puppy. And then when I was tired, I couldn't get, I wouldn't be bothered looking after Poppy, right? You know, it was, I'm too tired. Just do whatever the hell you like. If we're, if I'm too tired with myself, I'm, I can't look after my Poppy in my brain, which is the one that keeps saying, keep going to the kitchen, keep going to the kitchen. So it is about managing our energy levels, which is the same when you do marathons and stuff, right? It, and, and in life and in the army, you get good rest. And though even though there are times when you're in, in battle or in whatever, that you, you can't sleep, you've got, you've got strategies for how to man, manage that mental and emotional state, don't you? I hadn't really 
I thought about it, but not until you sort of mentioned that phrase of managing our energy levels. And I thought that's a really way, a really, that's a really simple way of just looking at your day, isn't it? How am I managing my energy levels throughout the day? Yeah. Whether it's through my diet, my exercise, you know, my stress, whatever it is, my cognitive ability. So yeah, I thought, I, I really like that. And I, I, I sort of think of that as a, uh, a strap line for how you get through the day. Because I'm conscious that if I have a bowl of pasta at lunch, you know, um, I'm going to feel tired shortly afterwards. I know the, the yep. afternoon session is going to be a bit of a push. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I hadn't, yeah, I hadn't really thought of it like that. And I think that's quite a simple way of looking at it. And I, yeah, I like Because when you do your exercise, even though people go, oh, I'm too tired to exercise, exercise if you don't overexert yourself, but you've just got a good routine that builds your energy, you, mm. you, you feel fabulous. Like uh, the minute you're on the couch going, <laughs> don't want to I'm too tired but then you go future pace yourself and go yeah but after I do it yeah I generally feel pretty good all right I'll only this is my thing I'll only climb the rope halfway just to get myself going you know I have a two-minute rule yeah I agree I love that I love exercising in the morning so it busts me through right till you know I feel sort of on a bit of a high all the way through till lunch yeah the afternoon session is my my challenge how I need, I need to manage my energy levels post lunch that's my challenge <laughs> so you have more like as you flag through the day yeah definitely so i i'm a morning person i like to work if i could if i could fill my day up until lunchtime i you know i, I would yeah and then i'm not i'm not really a late night worker at all i'd, I'd sooner do yep. it first thing in the morning every day of the week so come you know whatever well i mean also the kids are the kids are around in the evening so you want to be with them and stuff like that yep. and then Actually, I'm in bed minutes after them these days as well. But um, yeah, so no, I'm like keeping you up past your bedtime, aren't I? No, definitely. <laughs> but, yeah, only the last call of the day. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I'm aware of the time. How are we going there? I am getting. No, I did. That wasn't. I didn't mean all that at all. No, it's, um... no, I know, but I am aware. I saw. Actually, if we keep going a bit longer, the kids will be asleep. So it'll be, uh, you know. <laughs> Um, this see, this is just such an interesting conversation, though, right? Because this is how it is for everyone, and we do have we have these. That's why I'm like I said, I get up at three thirty, but because I don't like working into the night. Mm-hmm. I'm not a night owl. I'm I'm very much a morning person, but I do have to manage my energy through the day, um, and that's how when I notice when stress comes in, I'm really good in the morning. But come the afternoon, if you come up to me with some extra things I have to do, you're likely to get a pretty grumpy face looking at you, you know, <laughs> because I have to then mentally process. You can do it. It's like, you know, I've got to go through a few steps and don't instantly get, yay, sure, no problem. <laughs> well, come lunchtime, you've done a full day's work, haven't you, at that point, if you're, yeah. if you're up at 30, so... But this is the story of life, isn't it? This is just everybody's the same. Nobody's different. We all think we're a little bit special in some way, but we all have to deal with the same stuff at the same in different ways and at different times. But we've all got to go through the elements that are life, which is why I like having this show because we all get to talk about it. And you've given away so many amazing tips today, James, like so much gold, so much gold. But I wonder, you've just done your Ironman and have you got anything else coming up that's going to stretch you a bit? Are you doing any, is there anything in the wind yet or you're just sort of now relaxing through to Christmas time? 
No, I'm just, uh, I, I, well, after the Ironman, we, a couple of us signed up for a half marathon just so we've got another kind of head mark. But I think I'm just one of those simple people. I need something to kind of continuously work towards or, yep. you know, maybe I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm inherently lazy. So therefore, if I don't have these things, I'm happy to just sort of slip away and just melt into the sort of shadows or something like that. So I quite like things in my diary that I know are going to happen or I've got to work towards and whether it's sort of professional goals I quite like numbers so I quite like and I've got to hit x amount of client meetings in this period of time yeah the half marathon and then if it's the half marathon I think right I want to do it in this time so then all my little blocks of training have to correlate to a certain time along the way so I quite I quite like all the metrics and being able to measure all that stuff but I think I hope I hope that what the Ironman's kind of taught me is that the the routine of doing exercise is really good for me mentally so actually in the book the the book teaches you some good things as well which is to not train to all these kind of like you don't have to chase down these certain times or whatever uh, or run this fast it said it it, it's written for sort of people who've got jobs and kids and so therefore they're busy just by the very into their existence and so it says well look if you've got 45 minutes over lunch well then go for a 45 minute run and I thought it's quite nice where you train to time so you look at your day and you think well I know I've got 20 minutes in the morning so I'll I'll do a 20 minute workout and I thought that was quite a nice approach to you you can do that with other things though um and then I'm guilty of buying one of those uh, stupid timers off Amazon as well that you put by your desk and you think right I've got 30 minutes before my next call so I'll do 30 minutes of clearing down some paperwork that's over there or whatever it may be um and I quite like that idea of just looking at your time and thinking well what can I do with it and then also at the same time just to refresh myself if it, if I'm working through for an hour or 45 minutes then I quite like the idea of just having a little get up and a walk or, or know that I'm going to go pick the kids up from school or something that's, that's when I've got a break coming up as well so as much as I like training towards these goals I really like working towards knowing that I'm going on a holiday next week or something like yeah. that as well. That's really important to me. So yeah, I think sort of series of milestones. I love, see, again, you've just given away all the secrets of life. Little goals, yeah. little things to work to, little challenges. It all comes back to what you said earlier about its practice, right? It's preparation. Mm-hmm. And all of these things that you do, are the consistent preparation for anything in life. You're always going to be mentally, emotionally, physically prepared and your time schedule is the way you run your time also is what provides you with the opportunity that if something unexpected comes in, you can go, right, I can fit it in because I know what my structure is. I understand Mm. how I work my day. I understand that I like these challenges and and because you've already taught yourself the skill or you have the skill of breaking things down, you know, that, that's how we, that's, they're the infrastructure of life, right? It's how to break things down instead of, because everything always looks massive. Oh, can't do it. It's too big. But how to consistently, I call it practice for your future, right? You're always practicing for your future, but you do it with things that you like to do. And you've got fun things in there. You've got other things in there. You're staying on top of organisation because you've got half an hour. What can I, you know, organise over here in that half an hour? All of that is what means that we keep a tidy mental space as well. Absolutely yeah. love it. No, it's great, isn't it? It makes um, 
it's, it's you have to remind yourself don't you to break things down because you do yep. tend to look at class as like all this sort of unmanageable workload that we've all got with emails popping up and everything like that and it makes yep. me think about i've got a new employee starting in the business next year and it makes you think about how much information you give them in one go because they're probably rearing to get out the blocks and go with their job but at the same time you've got to make sure you just give them enough to you know keep them interested keep them motivated because of course the temptation is you just download your entire business model on them and they're like well, that's too much <laughs> here it is <laughs> yeah exactly I yeah say, let's go. <laughs> i say the philosophy is big picture like for me give me the big picture if visually on a wall or something and then tell me and this is where you're starting this is where you're going, but this is where you're starting. Don't worry about that, but you can see what the big picture is because if I don't know where I'm going, then I don't understand why the hell I'm doing this bit. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Really good point. I think that's your job, isn't it, as the as the boss, isn't it? You set the, set the vision. Yeah, which is what you do in life for yourself. You know where you're going, but I'm just focused on this bit. I'm just doing half a rope climb today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, James, um, just before we go, what is it that you do for fun and what is it that you do to relax? So fun fun is anything with the kids is great fun. I love going out for dinner with wife and friends. I do like a, you know, standard sort of big dinner party or whatever. I do enjoy that. And then to relax, um, it sounds really bad, but honestly, if, there's a, if, if my wife and the kids happen to be out the house, um, I'll just take that moment to shut the blinds and watch the tea, put the rugby on and just chill out and just have a bit of peace and quiet where, because obviously you spend all day, don't you, on Zoom these days or chatting to people yeah. uh, and bumping into people. So if there's a, a rare opportunity where the house is quiet, I'll just put the rugby on and just uh, just stare at it. <laughs> a little bit of James time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just quiet, just nice and quiet for a bit. But exercise, I think, is uh, I, I, just even at the weekends, I love it. Just uh, it helps me. I feel like it, I, I feel really rewarded after any kind of exercise. Um, yep. And so it really helps me either relax for the weekend or, you know, keeps me motivated during the work week as well. I agree. Exercise is key. Not too arduous, not too anything, but just something that you enjoy doing and mm. leaves you feeling good and enlivened afterwards. Definitely. Well, James, we're going to add in your contact details. They'll probably be sitting below us on the screen as we speak. So if anybody wants to connect with you and find out more about your leadership programs and what you do, they can do that. And thank you so, so much for coming on the show today, James. It has been an absolute pleasure talking to you. You have given away so very much gold. I've learned, I've learned loads from you. I've got a few things I've lodged up here, so I'm going to keep, uh, I've got your voice ticking over already just with a few things. It's nice that we've got the time to work as well. And, uh, yeah, morning and evening. And, yeah, I can't believe how early you get up. <laughs> Well, we're the same, right? We've got things to do and we've just worked out how to structure our day to achieve the things that are important to us. So, and remember for you, right, the thing about today is I, I was just saying that's absolute gold and the key to life. You just do it normally, right? It's your That's your unconscious competence. You're, you just don't know that you're doing it. So I hope you take away from this today that all the amazing things that you do that provide infrastructure in your life, and I'm 100% sure this is everything you're just naturally passing on to everybody that you do with your leadership programs because you're just so naturally doing it. I'll keep that in mind, though. But, yeah, thank you, Katie. 
And and thank you so much again for coming on the show, James. Honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you to everyone who's watching and listening today. And if you need any help in overcoming the challenges in your life that are impacting your health and weight and your happiness, just send me an email and let's just get it sorted now so that you can get on with enjoying the life that you've been looking for. So bye for now. Goodbye.